think it will thrill you. It may shock you. It might even horrify you. So if any of you feel that you do not care to subject your nerves to such a strain, now is your chance to... Uh, well, we've warned you. And now it's time for Cadaver Classics. Hello everybody, welcome to episode 8 of Cadaver Classics. I'm Mike and with me as always for Classics is the pod god himself, Stephen. How's it going my man? It's going well my friend. Episode 8, seriously? It seems like well, we've been fucking doing this for like 10 years. Well, yeah, and that's true, but we have been doing, we, we've, I mean, we've been doing, uh, the last one we did was like June 20 or July 25th. <laughs> and by the way, I just read the intro to that. We talked about, uh, uh, let's see, your transsexual wet dreams, uh, your, uh, the, the ball, the ball biting monkeys. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so I, we have a lot, I mean, we have a high standard set man i i don't know how how we're gonna how we're gonna outdo that today but i, I, I don't i don't think we're i don't think i'm even willing to try to <laughs> come anywhere close why do you think it took us a, like f- three or four months to get back on this i know i was emotionally <laughs> drained from the last one it was it was just <laughs> devastating to my psyche it's like i oh buried i buried so much of my soul that it actually suffered from um exposure Oh yeah, dude. It, it was. It's been recuperating in the psych ward. Steve, Steven's been. Uh, he started off in the padded room, and then basically we've had to wean him back to health. Yes, but but now my psyche is recovered and uh, I'm ready to fucking do it again, my man. Nice, dude. Well, yeah, we're gonna be talking about it. Uh, the, the it's our Halloween episode. So ooh, a, spooky. Yeah, exactly. What better time to talk? Some um, Halloween classics, man. Universal horror. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think that's what's interesting. You came to me and you said, "What would we need to do a Halloween show, and it needs to be the ultimate Halloween movie." And immediately, both of us jumped to the Universal era. Oh yeah, it was just like it's got to be something Universal, and I think that pretty much tells us where we stand as far as how great these fucking movies are well absolutely and and the thing is is i mean i mean even though a lot of the uh, most movies we talk about on this show and you know even many of the movies that, that we'll talk about on the regular cadaver lab were you know i was either really young or it was before my time these ones though are the ones that that uh i grew up on just basically because it's the only ones my parents would let me watch when i was young you know well and that's the thing they uh these were the movies that even before I was able to watch them either on like Saturday afternoon or, you know, when cable finally came around because I'm a little old, um, you know, these were the, the characters I read about in books about movies. I'd, you know, this, like when you're in your first and second grade, they would give you like this little order form and you can mm-hmm. get the scholastic books. And I was always ordering you great science fiction movies or great horror monsters, you know, a film. And so I was getting these, 
you know, first and second grade reader books about about these monsters, the Wolfman and Frankenstein and Dracula. And then when you finally get to see the fucking movies, it's fucking astounding. Well, and it's you watch them now and I I still get the same feeling from them now. Granted, some of that's gonna is probably some nostalgia, but I mean even watching it now, like like today we're gonna be talking about the Wolfman and the Bride of Frankenstein. Now, and, and we were talking before we started recording, but I don't know if I, I'm I, I, I've had to have seen uh, Bride of Frankenstein all the way through before, but it, it's it, it's I can't remember. It's been so long since I've watched it that I mean there was a lot of new, not like there was it wasn't like new to me necessarily because you know you see parts here and there, but sitting down and just spending an hour and fifteen minutes with it, I mean it, it, it's just as amazing as it was you know the first however many times I watched it when I was a kid. And I'll tell you what I mean it's it's. It's amazing how old these films are. Like Bride of Frankenstein, nineteen thirty-five. Mm-hmm. You know that's unreal. Yeah, and uh, well, and here's the thing that's so great about. And as a matter of fact, my wife just brought me a cup of tea, as you heard, and you folks at home. <laughs> that's what my wife does. She serves me. <laughs> <laughs> and if any of you get to meet her at Horror Hound, don't you dare fucking t- say I said that. But she just brought yeah. me a cup of tea. And who the fuck is on my cup of tea but Dracula, Frankenstein, the Wolfman, and the Mummy. Fucking the Universal Monsters. And this this is kind of cute. Me and the twins, or the twins and I, excuse me, fucking grammar grammar fuckers. The grammar Nazis out there. The twins and I sat down last Saturday and watched the original 1931 Bela Lugosi Dracula. Oh, yeah. And Briar looks at me about 10 minutes in and says, don't they know he's a vampire? That's what all <laughs> vampires look like. But that tells you, I mean, even to a nine-year-old who has never seen one of the universal horror movies, right. how ingrained in the culture that is. That is the image of a vampire. Bella Lugosi, 1931. That is the immediate association, and she couldn't understand why they didn't fucking know this. Wait the a other characters in the movie were like, how the fuck does, do they not know he's a vampire? He is the classic fucking well, vampire. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you. I can explain that to you. Because, uh, they were expecting him to sparkle? I was going to say, a real vampire <laughs> is skinny and pale and sparkles. And moans and whines <laughs> a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny because uh, I mean I watch I watch both of these. Plus, I've, it, over the last little while, I've watched part of uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon mm-hmm. and uh, and part of Dracula as well. Just I mean, it, it, the thing is, is it's like these films. I mean, they it's fun to share them with the kids. I mean, I I realize that this is cadaver classics, and it's not like and we're usually talking about balls and not like fun family time with the kids and stuff, but. No, I mean it's 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 kind of fun. it's been fun for me to turn these on and you know let my boys watch it you know and they're three and four mm-hmm. and you know they enjoy it and it's like it, my my you know my three year old son I go Frankenstein comes walking it out and I'm like who's that without missing a beat oh that's Frankenstein yeah absolutely no these characters are ingrained in our culture in a way that I mean it's there are very few things like it that are practically from birth. Your generation, uh, my generation, my, our kids' generation, these characters are ingrained in our the American culture. 
And it's it's absolutely phenomenal when you think about it. I mean, there are very few things that you, from the time you can walk and talk, you're subjected to. I mean, the, about the only other thing is like McDonald's. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of sad, but whatever. <laughs> and, and another thing that was kind of funny, um, they would cut, when we were watching Dracula, they would cut away every time, you know, he was getting ready to bite somebody. And she was like, what? Why didn't they show it? And I was like, well, back in the 30s, they didn't show violence the way they do because she watched all the screen movies the week before. Oh, right. And I was like, they didn't show violence, you know, like they do these days. And she said, well, these old movies suck. Oh, man. <laughs> and I was like, seriously? And then, but by the time the movie was over, though, she was... She was like, can I record this with you? And I was like, you were doing a Dracula show with me. And she said, yeah. I was like, I thought you didn't like the movie. And she was like, I didn't at first, but by the end, I really, really liked it. Well, cool. Can we watch Frankenstein now? And I was like, well, yeah, we'll get the Frankenstein next. Uh, it's just phenomenal. I mean, these characters are, well, the characters are much older. I think Frankenstein was written in 1816. So that right. kind of makes him the oldest. But, you know, you figure 1931 to uh, 2011, you know, we're talking 80 years. My I, math is right. Well, and it, it's, I mean, and obviously can, there's a huge cultural difference. I mean, in, in just the way people treat each other and whatnot. But, man, I, I don't know. There's, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's almost kind of like a, a charming, um, I don't know, how would you put it? just kind of a an alternative to kind of the, the I don't know because they were very polite you know and all that stuff it, it's just kind of nice to go back and check that out well not only that there's tremendous depth I mean even especially to the two movies we're going to discuss mm -hmm. while my daughter can sit and watch the wolfman and be happy with the fact that she gets to see a werewolf I mean there's all this cultural subtext that uh uh, Siednak wrote into it that, you know, of course we'll get into because that's what we do here on classics, but it's, there's so much depth to these movies. They weren't just throwaway popcorn fare, at least at the beginning for the first, you know, five or six years. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's actually incredible depth and you, you know, the directors involved, uh, you know, we've talked about Carl Frund before, uh, the cinematographer for, uh, Dracula, We've talked about Todd Browning. Uh, we've talked about German expressionism in the past. All this stuff kind of comes together. And you, uh, you James Whale, fucking tremendous director, mm -hmm. putting so much. I mean, he's throwing fucking art at it, into a popcorn movie. Uh, there's just so much good stuff. Amazing actors. Well, I mean, let me ask you something. You look at these movies made. I mean, everybody knows who Karloff and Lugosi and Cheney, you know, these names are fucking household names because of these movies. And then when Hammer, you know, when they decided to kind of like push towards the horror side, what mm -hmm. did they look at? They looked at what made Universal such a great fucking studio in the 30s and co-opted that, to, you know, they, their own Dracula, their own Frankenstein, their own mummy create their own franchises that right. their own actors, uh, Cushing and Lee fucking, you know, it, 
their household names because of the same characters again. So, I mean, it's just, just fucking amazing. It's a cultural phenomenon. Let let me ask you something about, um, about the, uh, kind of the look and the feel of these, of these films. And I'm asking because I don't know. I'm not trying to be a douche or anything. Um, okay, so I'm going to assume that a lot of these were filmed on sound stages, spe- you know, specifically the Wolfman in, in, in Bright of Frankenstein with uh, giant matte paintings. Yeah, uh, there's a lot the- of matte paintings. And then, well, for instance, the Wolfman, you're talking about the Universal Backlot, where one week that village would be a medieval town uh, in England. The next week it would be a you know, post-medieval town in Spain, and they change the signs. You know, it's... Right. But, yeah, a lot of backlot shooting, a lot of sound stages, uh, a lot of matte paintings. Uh, you're, yeah, we're not, we're not like, in the Hammer, Hammer era where we're actually going out to, you know, these fucking castles and filming. You know, uh-huh. it's, it's all backlot and studio. These were B pictures on B budgets. Well, the th- the thing that uh, I found interesting about it is because, I mean, I, I realize that there are color pictures with matte paintings and stuff like that, but I think that the because of the black and white, the you know some of the the background, you know, and all the stuff that you saw there kind of had a little bit extra, um, I don't know, not necessarily. I kind of want to say maybe a little bit unnatural, but not in a bad way, just kind of in a, kind of in a, something's a little bit off, but going along with the story. I, I hope I'm making sense. Um, I just think it really fit with the way they filmed it. And also with the way that, uh, you know, the actors interacted with, uh, you know, with the, the scenery, things like that. I don't know. I love it. I mean, look, watching, you know, watching these ones, it's like, um, you know, it's, it's, I mean, if you look at it, it's fairly obvious that, that the, when the Wolfman's walking around, or, or when the Bride of Frankenstein, you know, when they're looking out the window, that's a, it's a matte painting. But I don't know. I think it adds a little bit of, uh, you know, I, I guess a little bit of depth to it. I wonder. It, it, it kind wonder, of adds like this almost. It kind of adds like a surreal quality to exactly. the pictures. And I wonder kind of, what happened to all these to to all the matte paintings. Do you think that they're still floating around somewhere? Oh, geez, that's a good question, Mike. I, don't know. <laughs> I mean, that I could, honestly don't know. That would be awesome. That would be have, that would just that would be something to have up in the house. <laughs> oh, wouldn't that be yeah. great? I mean, just uh, freaking Talbot Manor or whatever that is. Oh, ex- exactly. The name of the the estate was. I mean, I mean that was just so fucking wild to look at. Oh yeah. But yeah, it also adds kind of, especially like when you talk about the Wolfman and the. Uh, the fucking forest settings. I mean, it, that's exactly it, what I'm talking about. It really almost seems like a fairy tale kind of fucking nightmare. I mean, in that, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's stagey, but yet at the same time, it's surreal. And it, I mean, it's just, I don't know. I think it adds a little bit of, uh, um, almost kind of the story that we're watching is, is, extraordinary it's, you know it's fantastic you know and i think this just it seemed it fits the, the these back the, these matte paintings fit because you know of the subject matter i think i mean i like i said i mean it, or or maybe it's just that i'm just so used to it and the nostalgia whatever but i i don't know i think they're great well first of all i think the black and white photography helps because 
I do. Um, Absolutely. For instance, I was watching uh, Tales of Terror, uh, the Vincent Price anthology, Edgar Allan Poe, and a lot of the map paintings, it was like, uh, yeah, he lives in a decrepit map painting. (laughs) You know, that's where that character (laughs) lives. He lives in a fucking map painting. You know, absolutely, and so certainly the quality of the photography and the black and white it it all kind of blends better, for one, and secondly, you know these are movies that turned out to be timeless, and I don't know whether it was by design or not. I, I, mm-hmm. Again, looking at the Wolfman, you know, one minute you've got people driving cars, and the other minute they're driving horse grown horse drawn carriages. You have this mm-hmm. big stately manor that has a telescope up, you know, uh, like the fucking Hubble Jr. Right. But overlooking a medieval village where, you know, everybody goes about their fucking business like it's, you know, 1930. More importantly, overlooking the bedroom on top of a <laughs> antique store. Yeah, we'll get to what a horn dog Larry Talbot was. But... <laughs> But yeah, you know, you can, you and I can watch these movies. We can share them with our kids. It's a sure. great fucking thing to do around Halloween, and it they're deep enough that we can have prolonged discussions about uh, not only the filming technique, the writing technique, the acting. Uh, just there's so much depth here to a lot of these stories, especially at the beginning, mm-hmm. and yet at the same time, you know, our our children can sit and enjoy the fact that they're watching the monsters that they've heard about, you know, all their lives. Well, and they've seen in their cartoons and their, you know, in, in and the stuff carry, like that. Yeah, they, the characters, you know, have existed, you know, in just about every medium. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Karloff is fucking Frankenstein. Lugosi is uh, Dracula. And, I don't know, it's just really fucking phenomenal. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's, uh, I mean, I don't know how much we want, uh, want to go off before we start talking about the movies, but uh, it's funny because I, I don't know. Tell me what you think. For me, I've always kind of thought the creature from the Black Lagoon was kind of like, you know, I mean, you have the big three, you know, and then you, the mummy, the, the fr- uh, Frankenstein, or sorry, the Wolfman, the Frankenstein, and, and Dracula. And the oh, and then the mummy's big too. But I always mm-hmm. kind of, kind of uh, thought about the the creature from the Black Lagoon is kind of like the the stinky cousin of these horror movies. <laughs> but but no, but I watched it the other day too, and it, it, obviously this one was uh, uh, not. I mean, it, it seemed to just because of the characters it seemed like there had to be a lot more going into it. But no, I even I mean I hadn't watched that in years, and I enjoyed the crap out of that one. Oh yeah, it's it's an excellent movie as well. It's almost uh uh it's you know, your Beauty and the Beast, King Kong type right. story. I mean it's it's a timeless story. I mean fuck the mummy is practically Dracula. Right. Yeah, so but it's using these Universal used these archetypes and fucking did some wonderful things with them. And it, you know, it when does the Universal era begin and when does it end? Uh you can say you can make the argument, okay, it begins in 1931 with Dracula and Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. But you can also make the argument, you know, going back to Lon Chaney Sr. with Phantom of the Opera right. and The Hunchback of Notre Dame. And this is one of the things that I was thinking about was, you know, The Hunchback of Notre Dame technically isn't a horror movie. But you'll notice that 
every fucking movie after that, well, at least I'd say a good 70%, you've got your fucking hunchback in it. Right. You've got Fritz and Igor and, uh, as a matter of fact, I think House of Frankenstein, it says five great monsters together. You've got Dracula and the Wolfman and Frankenstein's monster and the mad scientist and the hunchback. You know, <laughs> they were listed like two of the big draws. I was like, yeah, that really doesn't count as five. Or does it? If you take the Universal Era back to, you know, 1927, 28, do you count the Hunchback? And then going forward, a lot of people say that pretty much uh, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein was the end of the Universal right. Era because mm-hmm. by then it had been reduced to parody. Right. But then you get into the 50s and you get the creature from the Black Lagoon from Universal. Which mm-hmm. is a great fucking story. Well, in the th- in, in it's and it spawned its own franchise. Well, it's obvious it's from a different uh, time period. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it seems like they have it. They have they have a little more lush uh, sets and or, or you know wherever they're 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 filming. But I mean, it's the same type of formula. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and the important thing about those movies, though, of course, is fucking Clint Eastwood's acting debut. In Revenge oh, yeah. of the Creature. I, I see. I, I don't know if I've even seen that one. Um, they actually, sh- I think uh, Revenge of the Creature was originally done in 3D. Oh, really? And when I was about, well, it was the mid eight, early to mid 80s when everything was coming out in 3D. Mm-hmm. I got to go to the theater and see a, uh, a re-release of uh, Vincent Price and House of Wax. And they were also, sh- they would, you could go to like your local grocery store if you bought some Doritos or whatever, you would get, <laughs> get your free, you, yeah, get your free glasses. 3D glasses right. and, you know, Saturday at 7 PM, Revenge of the Creature in the original, in 3D on. Isn't that wild? I, Cause I, I like, remember doing that. Yeah. And I don't, I don't remember. I, I remember doing it for a, like some kind of weird gorilla movie I've never even heard of since, or I didn't know what it was. But it's like, how wild was it to get the whole family around the TV at a certain time to watch a certain show? That oh, yeah, just doesn't it, happen anymore, man. Yeah, it doesn't. And and that's really a shame. I think that's one of the, you know, not to sound like an old fucking crotchety old bastard, but that's what <laughs> I am. Um, you know, th- there was something special about, you know, kind of event television. You only had yeah. fucking three or four channels. Yep. And you didn't have instant access to whatever you wanted. You so know, when it, you did get to see something like that, it was fucking special and memorable. And that's why, you know, I remember fucking movie, shitty fucking movies I saw in Chiller Theater <laughs> because it was an event because it was, oh my God, I stayed up to fucking 1 a.m., you know, and watched this right. fucking uh, vampire movie where the guy got his head fucking ripped off of his body and all this fucking yeah. shit. And it was fucking exciting. Now I can fucking, you know, push of a button. My kids can watch whatever the fuck they want. Whenever the fuck they want. I have more movies I can even fucking watch. We have 5,000 channels, Netflix, Hulu, all this stuff. And I was thinking to myself, because I I was actually sorting some of my movies that I've gotten over the last little while. And I'm just like, I haven't watched 90% of these. And I probably won't for, you know, for at least for a long time. I'm thinking, man, this, this, I, it's just like, I don't appreciate it as much anymore, you know? Yeah. I've I've kind of ruined myself. 
Yeah, and I think, and that's what's sad to say, you know, considering what our hobby is, is to comment on these things, (laughs) trying to find something special that you feel like fucking sharing. Well, and you know, and it's, I, I, it, I find myself, I find myself struggling. Well, I, I start, I start looking back for movies from the eighties. I've actually, it's funny because I actually went and dusted off a couple of VHS players that I've had in the basement forever, you know, and you know, I've, I've had all my VHS just, just cause, just cause back in the day you'd walk into a, to a, you know, like a mom and pop, like our video express was the one that I could walk to from my house. And it's like, you had like 20 movies to choose from. Yeah. And th- that's it. And you couldn't just like, you had to choose one whether you've seen it before or not. Now it's like, okay, what movie do I want to watch? Oh, I've heard about this movie. I wonder if I have it, number one. Two, I wonder if it's, you know, if it's on Netflix. And, ch- and chances are, it's easy to get before I get home. You know? Yeah, and absolutely. I, it, it It's it's made movies more of a commodity than a special event. Well, and that's, yeah, absolutely. And that's, and that's, it's kind of sad. I mean, while I appreciate the fact that, yeah, I mean, you're working ready to do a 30 days of douche. Yeah. You know, I mean, all these things that I read about as a kid, even, you know, it was a big deal is fucking something like Frankenstein showed on TV. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had to be there at the right place in the right time, and you know, you felt special because you got to fucking you know, were one of the lucky ones that caught it, and you got to see Dude. something that you wanted to see all your fucking life, well, even though Absolutely. you're only ten or eleven. It's like, oh my god, you know, I've been reading about the fucking Phantom of the Opera, and PBS showed it on at Sunday at three o'clock, and I just happened Dude. to be in the right place at the right time, and it's fucking awesome. I'll, no, I'll can, never no. forget the day I learned how to to uh, program the VCR. Yeah. I mean, I thought I was on top of the world, man. Stuff is on in the middle of the night. I can, you know, it, it, shit, if it worked, I was lucky. But, man, I thought, man, this is the easiest ever, you know. No longer do I have to, like, stay up, you know, after USA Up All Night to watch a movie. Yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> but the reason I remember Peckinpah Straw Dogs. Mm-hmm is because channel 23 at the time UHF was showing it at 4 a.m. <laughs> uncut wow by god you bet your ass i my alarm clock was set for 350 <laughs> and i Get watched up, take a leak i, wa- and make I got, sure you're up yeah i got up watched straw dogs and by the time it was over it was like, okay, I've got to fucking go to school now, <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Oh, that's great. Well, and I don't know, we, we kind of took a little tangent there. Yeah, we, I, we took a little tangent, but at the same time, you know, when I, you know, when I originally found out about these characters, these movies were not available to me. Oh, absolutely. You know, it would may, might be five or six years before... I finally was in the right place at the right time to see fucking the Wolfman. It reminds me of the time my uh, my mom bought me a, a, like an eighteen inch Alien action figure, and I don't I probably didn't see Alien until ten years after that, you know, more more. Yeah, you you can't you couldn't just see a movie whenever the fuck you wanted to. You had you were at everyone the universe's mercy. 
Well, and, you know, but, and obviously I was a when, kid, and, and my parents wouldn't let me watch jack shit. So with these <laughs> with these Universal movies, these were the ones that they would let me watch. You know, these were the ones that I mean, I the availability wasn't such that I could watch them over and over and over and over. Because I mean, even if you wanted to, even if these did come out on VHS and you, to buy them, it was like a hundred bucks. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when we decided to do this show, it was as simple as me walking to the living room and saying, all right, here we go, kids. We're going to watch, start fucking working on Dracula and Frankenstein and Wolfman. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, but, you know, so it's a great thing, but at the same time, I think some of the magic might be gone. And I, I, I find myself kind of being, I don't know, not kind of maybe a little bit overloaded and just, I just taking it for granted. Yeah, and, but then, then like I said, my my kids, you know, Briar's reaction to Dracula, even though she was kind of like, well, this doesn't have violence; it sucks. Right. By the end of the movie, she was she was won over and can't wait to watch Frankenstein. Uh-huh. So you know, the fact that now it is available makes it really fucking special. That you know, yeah, me and my well, kids can sit down and share this. And I don't. I, don't I kind of hope my kids remember, kind of like you know how I remember growing up and watching, you know, Dracula with my dad, you know, late at night or whatever. You know, these, and I think these are the perfect movies to start with because of the reason that it's like. I mean, my my boys did get pretty scared when all of a sudden he was a werewolf, but I mean, he's a werewolf that that runs around and doesn't seem to have like a lot of extra powers. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. It's not like um, you know. Me and Corey and I have watched American Werewolf in London. Right. And, you know, completely different fucking animal there. Absolutely. There, there's enough innocence there that the kids can watch and, and not be fucking, they're scared, but not fucking terrified. They're, and there's enough enough depth there that adults can watch it and not be fucking going, seriously, why am I watching this shit? It's, it's kind of like an episode of SpongeBob. Just kidding. <laughs> I, I, I would say like Ren and Stimpy, maybe, but but yeah, oh, there, there, there's there's something a... getting out of my butt. <laughs> I've watched all those with my kids too; they're great. Yeah, I've got the complete uncensored collection. So, oh brother, <laughs> you're the pitcher, not the catcher. <laughs> wow. Yeah, scary shit. <laughs> But no, it's just really good stuff, and uh, fuck, I'm fucking anxious to fucking talk about it. How does it go? Even a man who is pure in heart and says his prayers by night may become a wolf when the wolf bane blooms, and the autumn moon is bright. Welcome home, Larry. I'm mighty glad to be here, Father. I was just looking at town. Naturally. I want you to know not only the pretty girls, but the old men and women and the young men. I told you I couldn't go out with you. I'm engaged. I'm going to be married very soon. Yet you wore those earrings that I like. Veil of a gypsy was killed last night. I only saw a wolf. Oh, yeah, but he's beaten by a werewolf and lives, becomes a werewolf himself. Do you believe in werewolves? I believe that a man lost in the mazes of his mind may imagine that he's anything. I killed Baylor. I killed Richardson. If I stay around here much longer, you can't tell who's going to be next. Stop it, stop it. You're not a child, laddie. You're a grown man. You believe in the superstitions of a gypsy woman.
don't believe the witch's tales, do you? They caught nothing in the traps, and now they're going to hunt the wolf. Jenny Williams! She's been murdered, sir. Let's do it. Let's get right into it. Uh, let's start with The Wolfman, 1941. This was my pick. Um, the the re- Basically what it was is we just figured out, we'd, we'd choose our favorite uh, um, universal horror classic. And mine's always been The Wolfman. And no, it's not because I'm, I have hair from my neck down. Well, yeah, you are a hairy son of a bitch. Sure. But from the, the ears th- down, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe, yeah, exactly. Well, I've, I could grow a beard, but come on. But... I don't know. For some reason, this one kind of is really always stuck with me throughout uh, throughout my life. For some reason, and, I'm, and and maybe it maybe it's something as deep as oh, it's the duality of man, and you know this and that. But probably just because I really dig werewolves. You know, yeah, <laughs> you know, I was going to ask what the appeal, what, what you thought the appeal was, but yeah, fucking werewolves are fucking cool. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like you know, because I've always I've always really loved the Wolfman, and it's it, I I don't know why. You know, whatever. I mean, I, I know I know it's a good movie and it's and it's uh, fun to watch and blah blah blah. But I don't know why it's always had that kind of connection for me. Um, but anyway, it was uh, directed by George Wagner. Now, you know anything about George Wagner? Not really. Okay, good. Well, he's known for uh, a, a couple of John Wayne movies, things like that. But uh, uh, this, you know, he, this is the first time I've heard him. But it stars Claude Rains. As uh, Sir John Talbot. Oh, yeah, uh, the Mon- fucking Invisible Man coming back to the Universal Fold. Oh, you know what? And, and it's funny because he, his son, who's played by Lon Chaney Jr., um, who, is, uh, Larry, who plays Larry Talbot, uh, it, it's funny because uh, I don't know exactly how tall Claude Rains is, but Lon Chaney Jr. towers over him. Oh, yeah, Lon wonder- Ch- well, Lon Chaney's a big guy, and they look, yeah. and he actually looks older. Than Claude Rains at this le- point. He kind of. I just I think thought to part, myself, and I didn't check their ages, uh-huh. but I'm I'm kind of curious. As Let's the, see, Lon Chaney was born in 1906, and Claude Rains was born in 1889. So you know, really, I mean, that's but, 16, 17 years. But but Lon Chaney throughout his career kind of had this. Um, this rugged look to him. I mean, he's a big, burly fucking guy. Well, and I mean, he I, is I, fucking I, huge. I thought to myself that uh, that uh, Sir John Talbot's wife or, or whatever was a huge bitch, but other than that, yeah, she may she may very well have been. <laughs> uh, this also starred Bella Lugosi as uh, none other than Bella. Bella. Yeah, how and convenient. Uh, my favorite character of the whole thing was Maria Auspenskaya as Maleva. Yeah, the uh, gypsy she, sorceress kind of chick, man. She was fucking awesome. Oh, she was great, man. She she was the uh, what do you call those? The gypsy, kind of like the the gypsy wise lady. I, I I don't know. Sorry to. I hope I didn't offend any people who follow the gypsy religion. I don't think gypsies have the internet. No. Oh, good. They, I don't know. What do gypsies do now? So, I mean, do they travel like? 
from hotel to hotel. I guess they've got Wi-Fi now. All the hotels have Wi-Fi, so maybe gypsies oh, yeah. are listening. <laughs> so no, no offense, gypsies. We we really don't know. We are mis, misinformed Actually, they, about they, your culture. All the gypsies just caught a huge break. They're all occupying Wall Street and other cities now. Uh, uh, no, those aren't <laughs> that, gypsies. Those are vagrants. Oh, oh, my bad. <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, Evelyn, let's see. Evelyn Ankers played Gwen Conliffe. Um, Jam Kerrigan played Charles Conliffe, her father. And uh, anyway, um, I don't know. You want to give us a quick synopsis? I'm sure. Larry Talbot, the most unlikely son of a British lord ever, <laughs> <laughs> comes back from America to to England after an 18-year exile in America where he's been learning to uh, fix telescopes for a living. Um <laughs> He never he never learned to use one. He's not interested in that, but he loves. Well, he, he he learned to use. Well, yeah, he doesn't know shit about astronomy, but <laughs> but as far as mechanics and stuff, and that that was in the original screenplay. He was a mechanic in oh, the original okay. screenplay. For some reason, they decided to make him the son of a British lord, which oh, would be nice. like making me the son of a I don't know Mike. Well, I'll tell you, Benicio del Toro did a better job playing that. Uh, be he, I, I would believe uh, the, him as a, the son of a British lord first. Yeah, you talk about you talk about misplaced fucking casting twice in a row in the same fucking franchise. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, we got him. Yeah, this Mexican dude, he's the son of a British. Lord. <laughs> <laughs> he's the son of a British. <laughs> yeah, so it, so it's almost. I mean, you almost get that same kind of sense. Hey, at of, least they're closer in height. Yeah, exactly. Well, they also had the mother in the in the in the in the remake or in the reimagining. So it's not like if the mother Jesus. was in here, if she wasn't like a twelve foot Sasquatch, I never would have believed it. Yeah, that's that's what you really and you know I'm not ruling that out because there weren't any family <laughs> pictures except for like the brother who looked just like Lon Chaney. Yeah, All right, exactly. but anyway, but anyway, so he does he decides to try out the telescope and finds this hot chick trying on earrings. Oh, dude, and, in her bedroom, through the window. Yeah, and it's If you like, don't think Sir Talbot wasn't doing that, you're crazy, by the way. Why the fuck do you think Sir Talbot built the fucking telescope to begin yeah. with? He's he like, built the whole, like... He's like, like you know what? I got a, a good view of the village. I bet I could look at any of these bitches fucking getting undressed <laughs> if I fucking had a decent telescope. I've got the fucking nicest fucking house in town. I'm, like, right on the top of the hill overlooking all this shit. I need to be fucking. You realize you realize that, that was that was a metaphor for uh, the rich looking down on the poor and feeling like they have the right to invade their privacy. Oh, what the fuck ever, Kami? It was just okay. him being okay. a horn dog. <laughs> That's what I like to think, anyway. Yeah. The, so, the horn the horn dog thing. So so anyway, um, they all go to he Lon Chaney hooks up with uh, this beautiful young maiden from the village. By the way, it's it's the maiden that he was spying on, and he had a great come on. He's like, I'm psychic. Yeah, I know what and, earrings you have laying on your dresser. And yeah, I mean, I will fucking use that. And, and the and the thing is, is he finally told her that he spied on her, and she was like, Oh, that's. At first, she was a little bit hesitant, but uh, yeah, but it's. Uh, she was cool with it. I mean, it wasn't yeah, like it was. It was. It was kind of like charming in the creepiest fucking way possible. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you just described Larry Talbot. Exactly. He's, he's <laughs> right there. Yeah, he'll he'll peep through your windows. 
but he'll tell you about it later and try to blush it off in an all shucks kind of way. <laughs> that just won't do, Stephen. So they go to see the they go to see the gypsies that are passing through and get their fortune told, and of course, they're a werewolf. Uh, attacks one of the party that is uh, with Larry and uh, what, whatever the fuck her name is, the hot bitch. <laughs> and Larry beats the werewolf to death with his silver-tipped cane that he bought from the hot bitch. Right. And um, <laughs> and uh, it turns back into a human because that's yes. what werewolves do when they die at the hands of silver. It turns into Bella. Bella. The, the, the kindly uh, gypsy. And, and Bella's mom, Bella's mom was was the, the best. Bella's mom was so fucking awesome. <laughs> if I had it like a pet gypsy, that's the <laughs> you'd want it to be Bella's mom. <laughs> yeah, she's so awesome. <laughs> oh, that's. But great. in the in the in the course of the battle with the werewolf, uh, Larry Talbot gets bitten, and even a man who is pure and hot and says his prayers by night can become a wolf when the wolfbane blooms and the moon is full of bright. Did you write that down or did you have that memorized? Fuck, I know this shit, man. How many times did they fucking say it in this movie? Like 30? I was going to say, that that was the joke I was going for right then. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thanks for wasting me. Oh, no, man. It's, just, it's no, fuck. I mean, it, it sticks with you. It's it's an oh, easy yeah. one to remember. It's not like the Raven where it's fucking like two pages long. Yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah. Once upon a midnight tray, why pondered weak and weary over many a quaint and curious volume of forgotten lore. Let's get on with this. (laughs) So anyway, um, yeah, of course, uh, fucking Larry Talbot's going to be the next uh, fucking werewolf. But everyone thinks it's all in his head until finally at the end, he, the next victim is going to be his new beloved woman. Right. And then you get your big fucking climax. It's all fucking good shit. Oh, and you know, from and the top thing is, to is, bottom, I mean, we, this we, we movie is great. We joked about it and we talked about it, you know, in a funny way. But like I said, man, I mean, it was the, the it's it's a very interesting to watch how people interact with each other, how you know how they treat each other, how much you know how the how the doctor felt like he had more power than the police, and you know, and, and things like that, and how they they viewed this uh, you know this family because of their status and, and whatnot. Um, and it was gorgeous, man. I mean, oh man, it was beautifully fucking shot, very well directed, and I can't say enough about the script. Um, Carl Siedmec, Siedne- I mean, it's a hard name to pronounce. Siod Mac. Mac. I don't know. Um, he was actually a German Jew who escaped from Nazi Germany. And mm. when this movie was written, he had two ideas in mind. First off, anyone who's going to die, the image of a star shows up on them. A pentagram. Or, uh-huh. or whatever. Now where, now, where else did we see the stars show up on victims? Nazi Germany. Uh, that's right, yeah. And that was a also, six-pointed star, though. Yeah, well, you know, he didn't want to be All too right, fucking sorry, obvious. okay. But yeah, and the other thing was, Larry Talbot is a fucking congenial, he's a nice fucking guy. Oh, yeah, he's very likable. And that that was <laughs> uh, one of Siednik's messages in this, was that people he knew that were his fucking friends once the Nazi party took over, became monsters. <clears throat> so that, there, there's your wolf man. There's your monster. Even those people that we look at every day 
and seem pretty fucking decent under the wrong circumstances can become monsters. Absolutely. And you put it in this, and you, and once you know that fucking context, it adds such a an added level of darkness to this fucking story. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's a great fucking adventure film, kind of a mystery thing. Is he really great? Because you have this whole psychological aspect, right? You know, everyone's arguing. Does he think he's a? You know, is the killer really a wolf? Does he think he's a wolf? Uh, you know, and they think. Talbot is crazy because the wound that he had disappeared. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you just imagined it and, you know, maybe you accidentally beat a guy to death. I mean, it's dark shit, but at the same time, it is, uh, well, like you said, it has kind of this, uh, this air of innocence and uh, almost naivete. Yeah. But, it, it's, it's, it's the grim fairy tale you know, thing where, the- you know, you look at Snow White Snow White, you know, you look at it and it seems like a fairly innocent fucking story. But then you read like the Brothers Grimm as like, holy shit, this shit is well, dark. It doesn't help that in uh, Snow White Part 2, it opens up with uh, them all naked in a bed and her smoking a cigarette. Yeah, that that is kind of disturbing. <laughs> uh, by the way, I don't even want to talk <laughs> about fucking Cinderella. <laughs> Bippy boppity boo, uh, really? Uh, that no, that that was. That, you think that was fun magic? No, that was they sold their soul. That was that was the dark the shit Satan. there. Exactly. That was the dark shit there. Do you know? I just read that uh, that uh, the the mama gypsy is only six years older than Bella. Nah, that seems about right. <laughs> yeah, they were they were kind of both old looking well see and that was the thing i don't think it, it was ever made clear that that was actually her son because she used the I same don't know. it's it's well it's she I used was, the same uh, phrase because there's that poem she recited okay and she said the same thing to cheney later on you know i hope you find peace my son it was mm-hmm. part of that same fucking poem so uh, at first yeah i thought the first time through well i thought I maybe he was it, her so it's true well, all right. Well, you know, I'll take its word for it because, like, IMDb and Wikipedia, they're never fucking wrong. You know, once you, know, you put funny. it, once you put it on the internet, it becomes true. Oh, dude. Like everything we say, why, why everything we I... say right now. I mean, like, <laughs> exactly. I have eighteen toes and a nineteen-foot penis. Wow! Now that it's on the internet, fucking true. Well, it's not on the internet yet. Okay. Well, it will be but true. It will, it will be, be true within say forty-eight hours. I'm looking forward to my new penis. Nice. <laughs> it's like Christmas. Yeah, I really. A like, I could, oh, sweet. Yeah, it's on the internet. Mm-hmm. It will be. So you know, it's. I want a million bucks. Talk about the dark. Can, oh, can I get on your million bucks thing because I can't use it? No, because a million bucks isn't really that much money. Well, I mean, it's a lot of money. It's more money well, than I It's, got, it's in fucking know. West Virginia. Shit. I mean, I could buy well, like two. I need a hundred million. Uh, well, yeah, I'm not greedy. Well, I, I can buy, buy the whole fucking trailer like, park for a million. Like billions. Come on, we can sit here and argue about how much money we need. Okay, but I'm gonna stick around. I'm gonna stick with a hundred million. I'll give you one million though. But that's, that's sweet. I, I just need fucking hair implants. How much are those? Uh, oh, dude. No, that's where my ni- other ninety-nine million are going. Oh, it's really? Gonna, is it gonna take that, that many? Much. Dude, but uh, all they have to do is sh- like shave your back and glue it on. Your I head. lost a bet and I already shaved it. So. Oh, did you really? Yeah. 
Who'd you, who'd you lose it's on the, the internet. To? Is it really? Awesome. It, not my back hair, but oh, the fact that I shaved. <laughs> no, I was hoping your back hair was on eBay. I, oh no, because I, I was oh, like, no, man, I, I can. Make, I, I've been needing a new rug for the living room. Are you kidding me? I am still. I, I am still. How do you think I pay the devil every month? In back I hair, shave, I shave myself bald from the neck down and and pay him in body hair. It's a lot. Yeah, he, he gets off on it. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, well, he's kind of weird that way. No, he's yeah, he's into some weird shit. He is Satan after all. Well, yeah, you know, he is the Prince of Darkness. Yeah, <laughs> crazy shit. Oh, dude, what was I even going to say? I don't know. Fucking glue. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Yeah, you talked about uh, how it, if you look into this and, and, and you focus on different, uh, you know, how dark this could have been. I actually thought that that was more uh, out in the open with Bride of Frankenstein. You know, where it, it, it actually, it, as I was watching it, I kind of, my mind was kind of going over it and I was thinking of it in like a, a really disturbing way. And it actually kind of, it didn't, you know, it doesn't, it, it's just like, wow. I mean, that that's some pretty heavy shit, you know, especially for, you know, a 1935 movie, I guess. I mean, what do I know about that? But uh, I don't know. Do you want to, do you want to move on to, to Bride of Frankenstein or? Oh, uh, do you want to move on? Do you want to take a break? Uh, no, dude, let's, let's move on. Okay. Let's just go. All, All right. right. And if I pee on my microphone, then I'm holding you responsible. Uh, that's fine. Uh, go ahead and pee everywhere. Just tell your wife I said it was okay. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I'm sure. Well, okay. Yeah, I'm sure once I invoke the name of the great Mike. <laughs> well, yeah, of course. No, Michael hath decreed. <laughs> he hath decreed that it is okay for me to urinate all over your belongings. That's all you have to like, say. Oh, in fact, okay. anybody out there in internet land can say that, and it'll work. Yeah, please feel free to urinate at will. In fact, urinate. Let's let's all do a urinate. Let's all do a synchronized if, urination yeah, right now. If you are driving, please. Um, it's not necessary that you pull over, <laughs> but at least set the cruise control, <clears throat> dude. Yeah, that's not going to work. Oh, okay. Oh, you know what? One one last thing about uh, both these movies, I guess, really is the length the length of them i mean what was wolfman was only yeah like you're talking an hour 70, and nine minutes or something yeah you're talking 70 75 minutes, minutes. and then uh and then the bride of frankenstein is is only 75 minutes which is amazing because they pack a lot of shit into it um that they back, that they do that that really surprised me as well because i hadn't seen it in probably five or six years and mm-hmm. it really surprised me how short the movie was oh and it also surprised me that I actually got bored at one point this time around. So, oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, so yeah. Can, see, this was, like I said, I mean, this is the first time I've watched it forever, just sat through all the way. It was way. probably because I hadn't masturbated in about three hours. Oh, well, dude. And I was, and I was like, I can get, get to that. Are you a robot? I don't think so. Maybe. Fuck. You know, I'd probably be programmed not to notice. Gee, if yeah, I was, if I was a master bot. <laughs> yeah, you don't think about one. that. That that's gonna be the new uh the new uh uh what do you call those mascot for classics, the masterbot. And the masterbot, yeah. Um <laughs> any of you want to volunteer to draw up that fucking logo, feel free. Sure. Yeah, uh yeah. Just I you shouldn't have said that out loud because I'm really afraid of people jamming my inbox <laughs> and I won't have any more room. <laughs> 
All right, so let's talk about the Bride of Frankenstein, 1935. The Bride of Frankenstein, fucking James Whale. I, I fucking love James Whale's work. Dude. And the reason I picked this movie over the original Frankenstein was uh-huh. 1935. By now, I mean, as a matter of fact, you know, we were talking earlier about how he'd been putting off doing a cadaver classics. Mm-hmm. The movie we were going to do on the next cadaver classics was a James Whale film, uh, The Old Dark House. Oh, we were? Yeah, that was <laughs> nice. <laughs> but James Whale was, by this point, he'd done Frankenstein, he'd done The Old Dark House, I think he did The Mummy. He was fucking sick of doing horror movies for fucking Universal. Mm-hmm. He said, look, the only way I'm going to do this is the next movie, I get to do what the fuck I want to. Mm-hmm. And on this movie, I have complete creative control. And uh, Carl Lemille was out of he was out of the country, and so whatever executive said, okay, yeah, you know, you're gonna fucking give us a sequel to Frankenstein, which was fucking huge. Yeah, do what the fuck you gotta do. Mm-hmm. And this was actually in the works from the moment Frankenstein screamed. But Whale was not going to accept anything but what he thought was the best script. Well, and I mean, I don't mean to be blasphemous, but I think this is a better film than the first one. Oh, absolutely. I, I think mean, it's, I, it's, I mean, by, I, 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 I like the, the original. I really did. But this one, I mean, it was like how many iconic scenes d- d- come come out of this, comes out of well, this. Well, how many, how many scenes from this? Do, I mean, growing up, I always kind of, Somehow in my mind, I always put the scene with the hermit into yeah. the original Frankenstein. Well, same for some here. reason. I, I always put it into another movie also called Young Frankenstein. But Oh, yeah. Uh, and you, how can you... De- oh, my God. Young Frankenstein. <laughs> That's a whole entire fucking... Oh, well, as a matter of fact, I think you've already done that show. We have. It's funny because I was watching this with my daughter and, uh, and, and I... It, it was the part where they went into you know saw the hermit and whatever mm-hmm. or you know the 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 guy that lived out in the woods and afterward you know after they chased him away i went moon on the roots <laughs> and my my daughter started laughing it's like wow she gets she gets that's cool <laughs> yeah yeah see young frankenstein is going to be on this weekend's watch list oh yeah because awesome. my my daughter will be coming up for the weekend and Young Frankenstein goes on the list. That's one of my favorite movies of all time. Oh my god! How can you not? I mean, that and Blazing Saddles are two of the fucking greatest movies ever. Let me ask you: when when uh, the house, when the lady at the Frankenstein Castle, or or you know where they live, the manor, when Mm -hmm. she came up, uh, you know, and she she would open up, you know, especially towards the end, where you know she would check on the, the the new wife in the bedroom. She opened the door, and I and I kept saying, "It's it's Frau Blucher," <laughs> you know, whatever. But you know, it, it's just so funny because it's like I'm with you. I mean, um, I remember watching I remember watching Frankenstein a while back, and just in in assuming that that scene was in the first one, but it, or not the, the the one you're talking about, the one with the the violin and stuff like that. Yeah. But uh, you know, you have that one, and of course, I I mean, I know this is sad to say, but I probably heard the. The weird science it's she's alive you know oh, before yeah. i ever saw this um so i mean you have all that and then you have of course the 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 iconic pictures of the bride of frankenstein you know which watching it this time was was i kind of got i thought about it in a different way than i had before it was pretty i mean kind of a disturbing thing you know 
kind of what she was going through is you know what i don't know maybe i'm getting a little bit ahead of myself but well let's um let's just run over the plot real quick or you're run down the cast real quick uh yeah let's talk about the cast because i mean the cast is outstanding uh obviously karloff is the monster colin clive is henry frankenstein he's he's kind of like the iconic frankenstein for me oh yeah Um, dr frankenstein and a little subdued in this movie uh he, he wasn't well, fucking drinking heavily, mm-hmm. uh, not quite as animated as he was in the original, but still, you know, <laughs> right. he gets the line out, and that's the important, oh, yeah. the important thing. She's alive! She's alive! Exactly. That's the important uh, thing. You have uh, Elsa Lan- Lancaster. Yeah, as, interesting. Uh, the, the bride, what? Yeah, interesting story with her. Uh-huh. She was the wife of Charles Lawton. Oh, is that right? Yeah, whom we've talked about, uh, uh-huh. the director of Night of the Hunter. And what was I going to say about her? Oh, yeah, she'd fucking... <laughs> Something interesting. Yeah, it seemed interesting about 30 seconds ago before I fucking realized how drunk I was. <laughs> no, she had actually come to Hollywood and you know, was going to be an actress. And, you know, of course, her husband is charles lawton he's fucking awesome right um ended up going back to england disillusioned with hollywood until uh james Wells said that's who i want to be my bride oh really and, and she came back to hollywood for this role well i'm really glad she did because uh mary poppins wouldn't have been the same without her <laughs> nice <laughs> But, you know, she has a very unique look, a very, very beautiful girl. Oh, yeah. And, and this ended up becoming, you know, the signature role for her. Even though I mean, she's uh, only on screen for, what, eight minutes total? Well, I, I don't know. Is that including when she plays Mary Shelley in the yeah, beginning exactly, part? Yeah, exactly. Because she's only got about five minutes as, uh, <laughs> and what the fuck was with her eyebrows in the Mary Shelley part? <laughs> she was very alert. I mean she was she was oh god what's the chick's name uh Mariska Hargitay from uh oh, yeah. SVU. SVU yeah how her eyebrows never fucking match when they're drawn on <laughs> I mean it, it it bugs the fucking piss notice. out of me I cannot I haven't noticed either all right first off I I I don't maybe it's me maybe I'm an eyebrow fetishist and I didn't fucking know this about myself but yes, We're all this time, this, today, time <laughs> this time watching Bride of Frankenstein, it was like, holy fuck, who drew her eyebrows on him? Why didn't they pay attention to the way the other one looked? Because that, that's just not right. She looks better as the fucking bride. Right. But no, she's got an amazing fucking face. Well, the Beautiful bride, she girl. has the extra hotness because she's freaking the well, Bride of Frankenstein. Well, she's the fucking Bride of Frankenstein. She's wrapped no. up in those fucking tight linen fucking things and she's seven foot tall with the stilts on and shit i wonder if that was uh, larry talbot's mom maybe it was because she was yeah she was like seven foot tall so yeah you add that into the genes of the four foot (laughs) eleven charles lawton or whatever my question is is how did uh, sir Sir talbot get in there and and get the dirty deed done in the five minutes she was alive what spoiler let me let me tell you something um lisa's dad is five six Uh her Stepmom is probably six two, six three. Oh, nice! What? And, and that's what. And here, here's his line. He says, "He 
like showed me a picture of her and he was like, yeah, she's six, three and worth the climb. <laughs> that was a say. Yeah. Okay. I get it. Yeah. So there you go. All right. So then All we right, had, anyway. uh, Valerie. Oh, do we what? need, do we need to throw in a little symbol crash? But bump. No, yeah, I, I think, pe- I think people the are rim shot the is ground. implied. <laughs> yeah. They're rolling on the ground right now. Dying, laughing. They wouldn't hear it anyway. Yeah. Whatever. All right. <laughs> Let's see. Valerie Hobson is Elizabeth, who is uh, Colin Clive's brand new bride. Oh man, looking good for seventeen. What? She's only seventeen years old in this movie. In this movie? Yes. Shut up. Oh my god, and, and she has one of the most amazing racks I've ever seen in my life. Cheesy there. Daddy says she's too young. Yeah, he did. But she's old enough for me. What? Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, did my fav- one of my favorite characters, uh, Ernest Thiesigler, played Doctor Pretorius. Yes, part, part part of part of the whole gay conspiracy that went on in this movie, apparently. Absolutely, if you believe modern critics or Wikipedia, so it's obviously true. Yeah, well, it's on the internet, so <laughs> I just got to concede. Here, run, run, give us a, a quick synopsis. Uh, very simply, the fucking, first off, you get Mary Shelley, uh, giving Lord Byron and her husband, oh, wait, you know that story I told you? Well, it's not quite over. So we get our flashback to the first movie, get a synopsis of the events, and then it turns out the monster is still alive. It's still alive! Alive! alive. (laughs) And so he comes up out of the fucking, well... And one of the most amazing, fucking hilarious goddamn scenes. Well, it's not hilarious. It's kind of horrific. But when he grabs the, when he comes up out of the, the, uh, the ruins of the windmill from the first movie, uh-huh. he comes up out of the ruins. He's already drowned like this one guy that went down there. Right. And this old woman is standing there and she thinks she's helping her husband out of the fucking ruins. Oh, yeah. And it's the monster. And, and what does he do? Yeah, and he just picks her up and fucking throws her down into the fucking thing, and she bounces <laughs> off the rocks, and I was like, oh my god, this was 1935? Oh, That's no, 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 fucking no, no. You're awesome. You're right, that was her. You're right. My bad. I was wrong. No, Frau Bruca, she's fucking, oh my god. She's just crazy, In bitch. this movie, she is fucking annoying as piss. It's, I, so, I love it, dude. Um, I mean, she's she's the typical Cockney maid, and oh, yeah. she's into everybody's fucking business, and you just want to beat the shit out of her. Well, sure. I mean, but that's what women, well, women of that class were for. We're to fucking knock the shit out of when they got too mouthy. <laughs> and that's for all you feminists out here, because it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, I think. Well, I'm wearing my pink. Uh, I am, too, because uh, somebody stabbed me with a pink pin today. Oh, great. Excellent. Yeah, my day wife. <laughs> So anyway, the monster is alive. It's alive. So uh, the monster, oh, shit. Well, there, I mean, there's a lot of fucking havoc going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you have the monster. You have two storylines going on. You have the monster storyline where he's captured and escapes and runs off into the forest to meet the hermit who teaches him a few words and shows him friendship before he meets back up with the main storyline. Which is Dr. Pretorius, who oh, yeah. knows about the Frankenstein monster and has his own little uh, experiments with Which life blew and my death. Mind. The homunculi. 
where he's created these little people that live in jars. <laughs> and, and yet they're 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 completely uh, it, it's like he he dressed them up as Barbie dolls and they just kind of took over their yeah they their kind of, personas. Yeah, they took on yeah, and he kind of explains it like she, like the one was the most beautiful so he made her a queen and the other one was in love with her so that we made him the king and then right. the other one objected so we made him the archbishop. <laughs> and and that's one thing you're going to see in this movie. This movie is fucking chock full of call it your call it religious allegory or call it sacrilege. Sure. But I mean there are more crucifixes in this movie than the fucking Vatican. Well, I let's mean, put it this way. I mean this whole movie, the whole idea um was I I mean even as Mary Shelley explained in the beginning, it's it was a tale. It was a tale about why man shouldn't dabble in the things of God, you know. Yeah, and of course the 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 famous toast um to God's monsters. All right. Yeah, and that's what we're dealing with here. Uh, you have, depending on how you want to read the fucking movie. Um. Anyway, well, well, let's not get into that yet. Sure. All right. So you have Doctor Pretorius, who has ex- been experimenting with his own creation of life. Now wants to team up with Doctor Frankenstein, and Doctor Frankenstein wants no part of it. He's learned the er- He's seen the error of his ways. Oh, as ready to move on. Up. And, but Pretorius is kind of fucking ruthless and wants to create a mate for the Frankenstein monster. Mm-hmm. And, of course, uh, this can lead to no good. Sure. So, um, and then you end up with one of the most famous scenes in all of movie history. You go. You stay. Yeah. We belong dead. Well, you know, and it's fucking that whole amazing. Thing. It started there, but I mean, it, well, it didn't start there. When when they were actually bringing the woman to life, at the end, it her reaction and the way she played it to me, and I don't know why it hit me this time as opposed to other times. I've you know I've seen because I've seen the last part, you know, seemingly how you know a hundred times, mm-hmm. but it's like put I, I guess put in the context of you know here is this here is this person who's been created who. You know, who may possibly be feeling, you know, not only anxiety from just being born in confusion, but, you know, maybe even physical pain, things like that. And here she is, you know, being brought to life, you know, and and she's looking around panicked, you know, and and all she can do is just kind of scream, you know, and and obviously when, when the Frankenstein monster comes down and whatnot. But I mean, I was thinking about that a little bit and it's like, I don't know that. I think I I wonder if that was uh how that affected audiences especially, you know, in the beginning when this came out. Wow, that was so poignant. I'm fucking Wow. Oh, wow sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, well, I'm just... so, sorry. I, well, do you want to talk about how this movie's gay? Would that, <laughs> would that make you feel better? <laughs> no, I mean, and and that's the thing um you know, one of the like pieces of trivia about this movie is that like an audience member jumped James Whale's shit because he laughed at all the shit that was going on. Oh, really? But this is a fucking, I mean, this is a dark fucking movie on so many fucking levels. 
Well, and and let's let's not even let's not even get in. I mean, we could get into uh, uh, you know how this movie explores being alienated from you know the feeling of alienation and loneliness. I mean, especially when uh, they t- you know when uh, uh, Frankenstein's monster runs in with the with the with the blind guy. Yeah, you, you know, actually they, see the monster and then it's ripped from him. Yeah, you see the monster cry because he's never fucking known affection. And it is, I mean, Karloff's fucking portrayal is, I mean, it's fucking amazing. I mean, and even to this day, it's like, oh my God, that is fucking, it's fucking beautiful. Well, and the thing is too, is he talks, the way he talks, and you know, he doesn't talk in the beginning, but the way he speaks is very, you know, childlike. It's, it's like maybe the way my, my, my kids used to talk, you know, when, when they were first learning, you know, like, good friend, me, fire, no good, you know, stuff like that. And it's, I mean, my kids obviously didn't like groan like that. But it's like, so so it kind of gave me the idea that here's this, here's this giant monstrous thing with the feelings and the, and the mindset of a child. And yet, what would it be like if, it, if somebody treated a child this way? You know, where, you know, he, he's ostracized. People are afraid of him. People think he's evil. What kind of a rejection is that? And what would that do to you? Yeah, it makes you grow up to be a podcaster. And, <laughs> and it's we all know that doesn't turn out well. No, no. It, it's <laughs> from next step, serial killer. Well, and I'm, I'm working on that right now, actually. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> that's what want, I've been I doing did, since July. Oh God, I thought we were going to hold off on that. No, I but, I couldn't wait any longer for you. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Well, I don't know, and and, and and maybe it's this is, and like I said, and, and it's I, I, I just, all these things I just started thinking about as I watched it this time because it's the first time, like I said, I watched it. You know, sat down and, and you know spent time with it in so long that I don't know. It, it just kind of hit me, and, and in fact, uh, I enjoyed this one a lot more than I enjoyed the Wolfman. And, and it's not to say the Wolfman's bad, but I mean, or not, not you know, an awesome movie. It's just that this one, I think, really, uh, I don't know. It just uh, to me, it seemed like it just had so much to it. You could you can read into it as much or as little as as you you want to. Yeah, and that was the thing. Yeah, you, know, you put a true artist like James Whale. Giving complete creative control, and you know, and you know, like I said, he was bored with the horror genre. He decided to fucking play, and you let an artist play, giving you know the uh, you know maybe not a great budget, but you know, give him some money to play with, give him some fucking great actors, mm-hmm. and he's going to produce a work of art that works on. I mean, on face value, the bread, bread of Frankenstein is a great fucking story. Mm-hmm. You add in Karloff's performance. Fucking brilliant performance. Elsa Lanchester, not bad to look at. Dr. Pretorius, oh, yeah. he's so fucking campy, yet evil and twisted. Yeah, I mean, it's like, oh my God. All, I mean, it's like a fucking perfect storm. Absolutely. And then you start looking below, like, like you have the obvious fucking message here, which is you've got the son of God imagery. Right. You know, and well, that was all over the place. Oh, my say. God. It, I mean, it's so fucking blatant. You know, he's having his final meal with the hermit. Yeah. Bread and wine, just like the last fucking supper. Right. And then when he meets Pretorius. You know, he walks down into a tomb, 
below a giant crucifix with right. our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Jeebus, <laughs> <laughs> fucking hung up there. And, you know, he walks down into the underworld. Who does he meet but Pretorius? Right. You know, and I mean, it's just, there's so much religious imagery. Like I said, you can say, you know, okay, it's allegory, is it mockery? You can read into it, I guess, what you feel is right. Well, I, you know, and I, but it's, you, you could do that. Um, you could, I mean, and I think that uh, there's enough there that it, you, if you were, if you were to, um, you kind of look at it in, in a very different way, there would be enough there for you to do that. I think it's just where you are, you know, in what kind of person you are when you watch it. You know, um, you know, or fuck you know, your frame of mind, your exactly. fucking mood, even. Mm-hmm. I mean, because there's a lot of fucking funny shit. Oh, like and, the, the dummies they kept throwing over the side of the building. And oh, stuff yeah. Was awesome. I mean, it was fucking <laughs> awesome. But yeah, at the same time, it was like fucking just, I was like, oh, my God. He, you know, he just threw that fucking woman down the stairs. <laughs> you know, it's like, Jesus, seriously? Oh, and every time they said Frau Blucher, you'd get the horse thing. That was yeah, awesome. you. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I gotta, I, I am gonna watch that this weekend. But you know what? Honestly, for some reason, it, this struck me at today as I was as I was watching it. Um, it this kind of struck me as more of a, a serious and dark tone. And it was, it really kind of, I, I, I mean, not to get all weird, but I kind of made a, uh, a connection with it. And that's probably how I'll watch it from now on. Yeah. And there's, I mean, like I said a little bit ago, you know, fucking James Whale was playing as an artist. Mm-hmm. And you do have some things like the whole humunculi thing. Right. Yeah. I think that was what, 1926, The Magician. Where that okay. was that kind of first, you know, the double exposure, and there's a scene with people in jars like that. Right. Uh, there's nods to Caligari in this. There's nods to fucking tons of different French and German influences. <clears throat> and one thing you can't escape with fucking James Whale is, um, and I don't mean to be disrespectful, but the gay thing. Critics today, or I'd say probably over the last 20, 30 years, have applied this fucking gay overtone to it. That, okay, because he used the same word for friend when he talked about man or he talked about his mate, then therefore, you know, maybe the monster was by. And I was like, seriously? Right. Yeah. Um, I think they're well, reading. Well, and, and there's a few other, other instances like the fact that, uh, um, well, not instances necessarily, but a, a few other things that people talked about where, uh, you know, he, uh, Colin Clive was oh, not Colin. Was that his name? The, 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 sorry, Dr. Frankenstein was taken away on his wedding night to go spend time with, uh, with another man to, to make offspring, to multiply and replenish the earth, you know, be fruitful yeah. and multiply. Yeah. And the fact that Pretorius says the only way he can have kids, uh, have through an all, science. yeah, th- reproduce is through science. Right. So, yeah. And, you know, a lot of modern gay critics have said, that you know okay well you know this movie has fucking got tons of gay stuff you know this was meant to be gay uh, you know in 
And I, but James I think Wales, it's so funny. James Wales' friends, his the people that knew him, his confidants, because he he was he was gay himself. Is yeah, that right? openly openly gay. As right. was um, as was the actor that played Pretorius. Oh no! No, no uh, not Colin. Sorry, uh, Ernest. Uh, uh, fuck, Thissinger. Ernest Thissinger. Yeah, that's that's what I meant. Yeah, he was openly gay as well. Um. That doesn't mean that the movie was meant to be a gay fucking story. Well, and here's the thing too, and this is and this has come up in the past, where it's like you're you you can you're gonna see what you're gonna see in it. You know, I mean, if you're if you're looking for it, you know, chances are, especially in a really great piece of art like this, you know, where there's multiple layers, and you know, instead of just like a you know uh, you know pencil thin plot line and stuff like that. I mean, there, there's a lot of room for subjectivity and I don't know. I, I didn't see this. I I didn't see that. Now when I read about it, sure, I guess I can see, you know, what they're coming from, but regardless of of what it is, regardless of if it's true uh, about the, you know, about the gay overtones and whatnot, it, it doesn't matter because this movie was what it was for me. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, and, the, and and I know and I know and what you're I, about to say. So. Well, the, well, the reason I'm bringing it up is not to say, well, no, this isn't a gay movie. No, well, um, it, it my my, my point is, I guess in art in general, and this is a conversation that uh, Dave from Cheap and Dirty, you know, Cheap and Dirty Dave and I have had before. You know, is where is art? Is it in the eye of the artist or in the eye of the beholder? Mm-hmm. You know. Do, you know, are you going to bring what you, you know, you bring your own emotions to the table and apply it to the art or does the right. art influence you? And I think this is a movie that really works on both levels. You can read into it. You know, you can say, okay, well, I can see kind of a gay slant there and maybe subconsciously, you know, James Whale was, you know, trying to get this message out, mm-hmm. but consciously at this message. And, you know, as a, as a viewer, you know, my kids watch it and they're like, oh, you know, cute, the little dancing dolls in the exactly. fucking jars. And, you know, there's the Frankenstein monster and there's the bride and, you know. And so we bring to the bring to the screening, I guess, you know, or bring to the table, you know, our own baggage and apply it towards this. And I think that's a sign of what great art this exactly. particular movie is. It's and not listen, just a great I, film. It it is a fucking work of art. And I and I mean for those who know me, it's I mean obviously, you know I'm not some great art connoisseur, but you can tell when you when you watch a movie like this that there there is you know that that you can see, watch a, look upon it with many different levels. You know it can mean different things to different people. It can mean different things to you at different times, and. I think the movies that have done that, you know, in classics or, you know, for a watch for custom, whatever, those have been my favorite. Those have been some of my favorite ones. They're like onions, Michael. Well, they, they, they touch my soul. The onions of the soul. <laughs> oh, that's great, man. But yeah, so, um, you know, this Halloween season, uh, that's mine and Mike's picks, man. Fucking yep. Wolfman and Bride of Frankenstein. And, uh, you know, fuck, we'd love to hear what your fucking Halloween picks are, I'm sure. Absolutely. Yeah, so what is it you're going to sit down and watch this Halloween? Is this going to be out before Halloween? Uh, Yeah, get your ass on it. 
or, or did I say I was doing this one? You said you're doing it because all right, yeah, we're going say, we're going to get this we're going to get this out. So, um, yeah, what did you do this Halloween? Uh, looking back a month, absolutely. Yeah, was, you know what? People should call in two zero six three three nine two seven three zero. That's the main Cadaver Lab voicemail line because I think ours is dead. But uh, yeah. just tell us to just just let us know it's for classics. We'll we'll play it. Yeah, we'll play that sure. shit. Why the fuck not? <laughs> Bitches! I mean, I bared my fucking soul last episode. My transvestite or transsexual oh, yeah. loving wet dream fucking. That's a, shit. that's all right. When we went and saw John Waters, and we saw some of the uh, the transvestites that showed up for the after party, I had some wet dreams that night. Really? Yeah. See, not not really, but man, I'll, I'll tell you what. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm just so hot. Yeah, I'm. Oh yeah, I've fucking, I've been fooled, Mike. <laughs> I, I've been around and I've been fooled on more than one occasion. Uh, that's nice, dude. Well, you know, I'll what, tell Mike? you about Holly someday. You know what? Let's say let's save Holly for next episode, but it won't be in November because November we are doing the thirty days of douchebaggery. That's right, bitches. It's back. We will be doing 30 days, 30 shows. Uh, our subject this time around, the centennial of Is fucking Vincent Price. No, not your balls, man. They're only oh. like 32 or some shit. I've, dude, I've I've already recorded 12 shows about my balls. Oh, really? Well, that's no. kind of sad because I did two. <laughs> I thought you were serious at first. I uh, recorded the two shows and I was like, wait a minute, this can't be right. Let, how do I love Mike's balls? Let me count the ways. 50 ways to love Mike's balls. <laughs> Slip them in your mouth, Ralph. <laughs> we got to go. My wife gave me the... Gave me the oh, do you get the look? The, I can hear yeah. Lisa snoring in the next room, so I know I'm good. <laughs> oh, nice. Right. Sorry, 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 people. I, I promised her I'd be, I'd, I'd be, I'd go to the bedroom at a uh, certain time. What do you have to schedule your snookums? Don't or, worry about your, it. Your... Make him whoopee? Yeah, well, yeah, that's what I call it. Is that what you call it? Just like the newlywed game? <laughs> exactly. All right. So, yeah, so, so call, call it in. Um, I, so how so how we if, – if you guys aren't uh, hooked up with the, the 30 Days of Douchebaggery, it's going to be mainly me, Steven, and Vaughn from Motion Picture Massacre. Uh, of course, uh, go to what, – what, what's the website? Douchecast5k.com. Douchecast5k.com. If you're not already – subscribe to it and check it out because we're going to be we're going to be really going after it people yeah at least um yeah we're not going to guarantee the like a half hour show every day like we did with the lovecraft thing mm -hmm. but yeah every day you are going to be getting some unique content yeah from that, the ha that half hour limit was really tough on me yeah it was about uh shit a lot of times i was going listen i I would appreciate you guys get out at least a 20-minute show because that's exactly the length of my commute in the morning. No, oh, okay. So, well, sorry. I can – well, Vaughn and I recorded two last night, and I think oh, they're cool. 20, 25 minutes each. So. Uh -huh. Sweet. Perfect. So, yeah, and then we'll pad it out with a bunch of music and audio, and it'll seem like and a real balls. fucking thing. Yeah, and we'll talk about Mike's balls for at least 10 minutes anyway. <laughs> well, Oh, that's great. Oh, well. All right. It, it, hey, uh, and, and, I th and I think it's important because normally on this show, we're talking about my balls. Yes, yeah. they are fucking huge. But, um, you know, size isn't everything. 
Mike's has personality. So I hear. So that's what keeps me. That's yeah, what keeps me. That's going. what keeps you alive is size, <laughs> size, and everything. You're like, sure. oh, thank God for that. <laughs> oh, that's great, man. So, uh, so yeah, I guess that's it. I th- these two movies were a pleasure to watch, man. Freaking awesome. Uh, I wish. Uh, I don't know. I, 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 I think that now to Halloween. What's it? Wednesday today. I think that uh, I'm going to be watching some more of these uh, Universal horror movies with the kids. It's kind of a fun Halloween thing. Oh yeah, absolutely, my man. But uh, all right, hey, I appreciate you coming on, man. This has been a good time. Uh, we will do one in December. How's that? We will be back in December, my friends. All right. So, hey, appreciate you coming on, man. Always we'll a pleasure, my man. To a new world of gods and monsters.